0: Hi there, this is Omar Crook, host of Living with a Genius. I want to personally thank you for your financial support. Your donation helps keep this show chugging right along, and I truly couldn't do it without you. As always, thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time. Here's Living with a Genius for May 21st, 2020. It's the birthday of one of my favorite painters, Henri Rousseau. Rousseau was born in Laval, France, in 1844, into a family of a plumber, a vocation he was forced into as a small boy. He attended Laval High School as a day student and then as a boarder after his father became a debtor and his parents had to leave the town upon the seizure of their house. Though mediocre in some of his high school subjects, Rousseau won prizes for drawing and music. After high school, he worked for a lawyer and studied law. But... "...attempted a small perjury and sought refuge in the army." He served four years, starting in 1863. With his father's death, Rousseau moved to Paris in 1868 to support his widowed mother as a government employee. Rousseau started painting seriously in his early 40s. By age 49, however, he retired from his job to work on his art full-time and would become known as le douanier, the customs officer a humorous description of his occupation as a toll and tax collector. And it would be le Doignier Rousseau who would be both ridiculed and lauded for his art. When Pablo Picasso happened upon a painting by Rousseau being sold on the street as a canvas to be painted over, the younger artist instantly recognized Rousseau's genius and went to meet him. In 1908, Picasso held a half-serious, half-burlesque banquet in his studio at La Bateau Lavoir in Rousseau's honor. Although conceived as an elaborate, if not cruel, prank, le Banquet Rousseau would be one of the most notable social events of the 20th century. In Picasso's company, Rousseau was perceived as a naïve fantist, good with the goodness of a child, an aesthetic premier incubated by the delighted avant-garde. For Fernand Olivier, Picasso's first love in Paris, le was a good-natured simpleton, trotting rather than walking, with thick gray hair. And in her memoirs, she added that he had a frightened, goodness-radiating face, which, however, seems to be an exaggeration. And that's exactly as they wanted to see him as a bizarre, vigorous child, symbolic for the post-impressionists fascinated with tribal Negro art and the simple folk sensitivity of the anonymous authors of wood and terracotta figurines. Douanier Rousseau was perfect material for a genuine spokesman of their aesthetic revolution. He was indigenous to that imagined primal vitality documented in his lively academic pretense-less paintings, emanating the sensuality of the jungle and the angular finesse of Mexican ornamentation. Moreover, he was an embodiment of pure imagination because, in defiance of the Impressionist principle of study from nature, he shamelessly made things up. Something that, in fact, both Picasso and Apollinaire laughed at. After all, he had never been either to South America or even to the exotic parts of the Mediterranean basin. The exciting, fabulous, comical aura surrounding the old man, Douanier Rousseau, led Picasso to a mischievously amusing, grand idea that bordered on artistic happening. In 1908, Picasso decided to throw a ceremonial banquet in honor of Henri Rousseau's genius at his studio, in Le bateau Lavoir, on top of the already legendary Impressionist-famed Montmartre. Among those who worked and lived there were Grenoir, Manet, Toulouse-Lautrec, and Degas, who died on the hill in an apartment at 6 Clichy Boulevard, and the young avant-gardists, in a tribute to his greatness and proverbial malice, from then on played the game of Degas which involved serving caustic remarks with the cold distinction the patron of those duels had become famous for. Picasso's banquet could be viewed as the most extreme, most ambitious example of the Montmartre game of Degas. It was, in fact, a malicious joke disguised as a dignified celebration event. Exactly at 6 p.m., a cab carrying the guest of honor, escorted by a Polonar, arrived at the Bateau Lavoir. Meanwhile, Fernand had been hurriedly preparing a large plate of rice a la Valenciennes, cold cuts, which Picasso had run to the little shops down the Montmartre to buy, and countless cakes, resulting in an improvised buffet, because the catering ordered from Felix Potin had unfortunately failed to arrive. By mistake, it materialized at the door just two days later. All furniture had been removed from Picasso's apartment, and the adjoining studio, a fellow artist, Juan Gris, had been turned into a cloakroom. The whole, decorated with flags, twigs, a huge banner saying, Glory to Rousseau, resembled a parody of patriotic gatherings on French Independence Day. Opposite the table, on a platform underneath a Chinese lantern, a Louis-Philippe armchair had been placed in which the visibly moved Rousseau, master of the ceremony, celebrating his benefit show, was seated. After 8 p.m., a drinking spree began in earnest, or at least intensified, because most of the thirsty, invited guests had already gotten very merry at Fauves, Drinking so eagerly that Marie Laurencin, a painter famous for her idealized female portraits, soon after entering the gris cloakroom, barged into the cake plates and, completely drunk, started to throw herself at the guests and smear them with cream. The excess was interrupted by Apollonard, who, angered, sent the tearful girl home. In the middle of the room, amid African masks, several easels were set up to hold Portrait of Clémence, a painting Picasso had bought eight years earlier and retained for the rest of his life. The first to speak was Maurice Clémence. Here is a painting by Le Douanier, the man who tames nature, with his magic painter, the declamation was accompanied by Georges Brock playing the harmonica and Ramon Pichot, Impressionist painter, Picasso's great friend and Dali's first master, performing Spanish dances in a rather bizarre manner. The next poem was recited by Apollinaire. The images you paint you saw in Mexico. A red sun lit the banana treetops and you, courageous soldier, have swapped your tunic for the blue jacket of the brave The poem, which included other openly sneering references to the painter's exotic experiences, was applauded, and its rather drunk protagonist, with a cone of stearin dripping from the lantern accumulating on his hat, thanked the poet by raising one of the evening's many toasts. Another prank was by the poet and critic Andre Salmon, who, for the sake of the Americans brought by Gertrude Stein and Alice Toklas, staged a simulation of delirium tremens, which he did by chewing soap and foaming at the mouth, together with the equally convincing cremence. This moment was solemnly remembered by Stein's lover in the autobiography of Alice B. Toklas. Salmon continued to frolic and eventually became so drunk and obnoxious he had to be locked up in the storeroom where, out of boredom, he ate the hat of the already frightened Toklas. In fact, the Americans, having expected a less intense presentation of the legendary Paris Elan, had quietly left the party much earlier. Towards the end, the banquet took a rather unexpected turn, unbelievably. The hitherto private event attracted a crowd of painters, poets, and ordinary folks, pushing in through the doors and windows to Picasso's little salon. Most of them were street painters, dressed in the then-trendy wide-rimmed hats, colorful jackets, long boots, bandanas, a herald of the hippie movement several decades later, tied on their long hair, and the latest in avant-garde fashion, proudly sporting military jackets. The newcomers, already merry, focused chiefly on consumption, stuffing their pockets with the cakes, which made Picasso's lover furious. In the increasingly stuffy air, surrounded by a chaotic company that was completely uninterested in him, Henri Le Douanier Rousseau decided to play first, or rather last, fiddle for once, and fetched his violin, delivering Waltz for Clémence. Composed specially for the evening for the fans gathered in the room, there was a frantic ovation. But as le douanier, exhausted, had slumped from his chair to the floor during the last wistful phrase, Picasso decided to conclude the event. A cab was summoned to take douanier Rousseau down the Montmartre. Before departing, the critically intoxicated painter thought it fit to make a short speech directed at Picasso. "'You and I are the greatest painters of our time,' he said. "'You and the Egyptian style,' I, in the modern. The words, which appear funny only at first sight, were probably not much to the Spanish genius's liking. The remaining guests, including Derrin, whom, amid the remains of Alice Toklas's hat, slept in the storeroom until morning, went to sleep with the hosts on the sofa and the floor. The banquet was hailed as a success, and on the very next day, it became a legend. The most serious consequences of the evening at Picasso's were enjoyed, however, by Douanier Rousseau himself. What was originally conceived as a lavish joke by the recently enriched Picasso transformed Rousseau into a full-time artist who started to be appreciated not only by the increasingly important post-impressionists, but a mere two years before his death, Henri Rousseau earned the reputation of a respected artist, attracting large numbers of followers, including many among academically educated painters. Le Rousseau became history, and his dream was fulfilled. Thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time.